1: Hello and welcome to All Stats, Aren't We? A podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings on Elland Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm John McKenzie, the zonal off-ball system of the podcast, well-structured, well-organised and just as permeable as what went before. And today I'm joined by the squeaky clean PR image of the podcast, Adam. We're just excited about the potential that this group has coming for it. And finally... The Tyler Roberts getting injured within a minute of coming on of the podcast.
2: Wandering around with absolutely no purpose. It's Josh Hobbs. Josh, how are you doing? <laughs> yeah, all right, mate. Thank you. Gum I I wanna just uh give Tyler props for um for putting on his Instagram story about people being haters. <laughs> that uh he's he's taken a lot of shit from people this season, which uh I think is, is undeserved. Even though I'm not saying he's been amazing, because obviously he hasn't, but the kind of abuse he's getting is nonsense.
1: And another man who gets a lot of abuse that is all nonsense. <laughs> Adam, how are you doing?
2: I'm alright, thank you very much John.
3: I am a little worse for wear today, I feel like I've done a bit of a toldo. <laughs> Slightly hungover from last night, but uh, I'm here and I'm present and I'm also going to try and do the Darren roll today as well as the toldo roll and, and give Melier a bit of a defence because I think he's taken a bit too much stick and I know you don't agree with me, but well... Here we are.
1: <laughs> I actually hadn't mentioned him at all on the the running order, so maybe we should have this conversation right now.
3: Uh it's just some people in the Discord and in the group chat have been criticising him for the uh the save or lack thereof for the goal. And in all honesty, I I think if he goes with his foot or his leg maybe he has slightly more chance to save it, but I don't necessarily think that he does. So uh you know, I think it could just go in anyway, so I don't think it made a difference personally. And I know lately he's not been at his very best, but I mean, he's just a good goalkeeper for me. He's 22, and this was an ongoing thing yesterday in the Discord. But he, uh, he's very young and very good for his age, and and I think that's important to remember.
2: Josh, you want to rejoin to that? Yeah, I mean, I obviously I wouldn't disagree. You could argue that he's potentially the best goalkeeper in the world of of his age, uh, apart from Donnarumma. Donnarumma is obviously number 1 but then it's i can't think of another that i'd go for apart from Melier but i'd also say that i don't think he's had a good season and yeah i mean it's a bit harsh to criticize him for yesterday but i do think he chose the wrong save selection there and i think it's hard to think of games this season where when we've needed him to like come up with one big save that he's come up with it and then we've come out with it with some points um he's had a very rough time of it because he's faced a ridiculous amount of big chances but uh, yesterday he faced like one and it went in and it's just yeah uh, may- maybe i'm overcritical and that's fair like you know i'm not i'm not blaming him for for everything and us not taking anything out of the game yesterday um rafinha i'm very critical of for not helping out dallas and then dallas's actual attempt to do anything to stop Barnes was (laughs) was pretty pathetic so between the three of them uh, I apportion blame it's like with the Newcastle one Uh, I I blamed Roberts for losing the ball I blamed Urente for the unnecessary foul and I blamed Melier for falling in stages
1: people will know that I will not comment really on goalkeeping but I will say that the shot was deflected and I always think that it's harsh to hold goalkeepers at the sort of same standards that you might expect if they've got a fully sighted view of a shot and and then it goes in in the same context. So that's all I'm going to say. Thank you, John. Anyway, we've done our duty by Darren, so we can happily jump into the full podcast now. So let's um, jump in with a game summary. So obviously we're talking about the 1-0 loss to Leicester here. Uh, Statsbomb eventually settled on a um, XG figures of 1.9 XG to... 0.5 XGA, so very promising signs in terms of the underlying numbers. Jesse Marsh went straight into the classic 4222 formation that we have come to associate with the Red Bull system. Uh, I guess the surprising things were that Ayling was used as a centre back. With, with Dallas slotting in at right back. So if anyone thought that we were going to see massive changes in terms of the sort of personnel and the sort of positions that were going to be played in, then, then maybe they were surprised a little bit when the team sheet came out. Matthias Click, another player who made a maybe a surprise move, joined uh, Robin Koch in the double pivot. Uh, And as we suspected, Rafinha played in one of the narrow wing roles, but Jack Harrison joined him there as well. Maybe he was another one that we didn't think would be appearing on the team sheet from the start. And then Dan James and Rodrigo played in the strike partnership. The first half, I think, showcased a lot of what we expected from Jesse Marsh. There was lots of central attacking. Uh, There was a structured higher press, an attempt to trigger counter-pressing and a zonal off-ball system as well, which will have done Josh's heart good. Leeds generated some good chances through the middle in the half, but I think we left ourselves exposed, particularly in wide areas uh, and particularly on the left, which led Leicester to generate some threatening moments. In the second half, it felt as though Leeds tried to possess the ball better, Uh, And they also used the wide areas more readily themselves. The best chance of the game for both sides, I thought, came through a bit of wide build-up play that showed some clear signs of Bielsa's influence with Junior hitting the byline and playing the ball across for Rafinha. Despite the paucity of their chances, though, Leicester scored in the 65th minute from a goal which saw Dallas getting isolated against Harvey Barnes and Ian Acho playing a simple 1-2 to play him through and then after this point, Leicester sort of rolled home to the win with the help of an injured Tyler Roberts for the last 15 minutes. Okay, so that's the summary of the game. Let's move on to the interrogation. This is the part of the show where I ask the guys five questions about the game itself, so we can try and get to the bottom of what was going on. Adam, I'm going to start with you. We've obviously done a lot of previewing of Jesse Marsh on our channel. I'm interested in what surprised you most about what you saw yesterday compared to what we expected
3: you touched on one of the things which was ailing's role within the team um i expected him to be a right back but maybe it was best to have dallas against barnes as he's probably a little bit faster probably a little bit more diligent one v one with his defending so i kind of understood that as the game went on and i also thought ailing played really well and cock and holding midfield as well is not something I was necessarily expecting. I mean, I thought he did pretty well there with click, but it wasn't what I was expecting when I saw the lineup initially. And uh, there has been some talk of Marsh particularly liking his centre backs to be quite strong, quite tall, quite physical. And for me, on paper, Cock and Strauch is probably the most you know tall, commanding, physical partnership we had available to us rather than having Ailing there. So I did expect that. And the other thing was. Um, Amount of width we played with it. wasn't like it was all the time, and and even with Rafinha's chance, he was central. But the other side, there's always we always remained with the width. We always kept the width, and Harrison and Furpo in particular, they were found in good positions out wide, which isn't necessarily again in a four-two-two-two what we were expecting to see, and and our best chance was from Furpo hitting the byline to cut the ball back. So maybe this is something we'll see going forward and width is going to be a part of of the system, possibly just to do with the personnel that we currently have. We don't always have the right players to fit the four two 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 quite as Marsh maybe would like. I think it's worth talking a little bit about
1: Ailing actually, to start off with. Because, uh, yeah, I don't think any of us really expected Ailing to, to play uh, as, a, as a centre-back. Um, certainly, we didn't expect him to fit in the role as well as he did. And I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that in a Jesse Marsch system, he is going to want you to play through the middle. And Ailing's passing through the central spaces was really, really good, I thought,
2: at the weekend. So, Josh, what were your
1: thoughts on Ayling?
2: Yeah, uh, I agree. Something that I thought was very good with him, he he had quick feet on the ball and the way that he sort of used his body to be able to like almost draw a bit of pressure from Vardy um and then quickly shift it and then play it into the middle uh where that where the passing lane was was then open um I think I was trying to think how would that have gone with urente, so I think sometimes he can do that really well and other times it's, it can be disastrous so I think Ailing maybe doesn't have some of the passes in the locker that Irente can have on the right day but I think he's overall more reliable at that and he played some excellent passes yesterday in into the middle that, that broke lines and got us into uh, into some good positions to create from so I I saw a few like differing takes on Ailing cuz I'm definitely in the camp that he played really well and uh, I didn't expect to see him in that position I think when I first saw the lineup I thought what a lot of people thought which is that it was Dallas and Click uh, as a midfield too because uh, I just didn't expect Marsh to to play him there but I I felt that he played very well there.
1: Yeah in terms of the passing I guess yurentes skill comes from taking the ball into a wider area and then doing a diagonal cross field pass yeah. right. Whereas what Ailing was doing really well was these those really straight cross uh, passes. Sorry, between the lines into the the second line of those midfielders, so beyond the pivot to to one of the the two tens or what, whatever we're calling them, the narrow wingers. And then what they were doing is just playing it back into that pivot, so the pivot could pick the ball with the, p- pick the ball up in front of them rather than with back to goal and turning. So yeah, I thought that was really good,
2: and I think Ailing will suit that. Is there anything that you thought was unusual from what you were expecting? Well, I think in terms of an individual, because I have to reference, if we go back to our like Marsh preview pod, I said that Harrison would be a loser. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, in that sort of winners and losers section. Uh, and I actually think he played really well. He, I think he came inside nicely. If you think think back to the opening few minutes of the game, he was actually like we had, he was so, coming so narrow that he was almost over on, on the right. Um, and he got got on the ball and played a nice through ball for James to to hit in the early minutes of the game. Um, and then he was a good runner ahead of the ball when we had that break. Um, where James put him in and he forced a save. He may well have had another chance like that if Rodrigo didn't uh, absolutely smash the through ball that he then had to run right to the <laughs> to the byline to get it back. Um. I felt he had a really good game individually. And I kind of wondered whether uh, he could be, I think someone said this in the Discord actually, but I I felt it as well, whether he could be potentially an option to play uh, in the front two rather than the line behind. Um, Because I think he could do a lot of what James did yesterday, but he also just strikes the ball a lot better than James. So if you get him in those positions where he gets in behind, I trust him to control it better and then hit it a lot harder um, and it yeah I, th- I, th- I think he had a really bright game and uh, it encouraged me for him being able to still like offer something in the, these more narrow shapes when before I'd I would have said that his whole game is, is in the wide area you guys are right he did do stuff in the second half more in the wide areas but I was I was happy of what he did more sort of in and around the box
1: well let's move on to the second question because as you alluded to there Josh there was a big change between the two halves um and I mentioned that
2: in the game summary so Josh what did you make of the change that happened at half time yeah i think i maybe didn't fully clock it in, in the live watch um just cuz you know how you how you are when you're sort of absorbed in the whole like uh jeopardy <laughs> of of being a fan um but yeah on on the watch back and after we'd been discussing stuff anyway you can see that in the second half much particularly down the right we were we were building much more down the right hand side whereas um first half we were trying to go central and yeah we obviously we did um we did create some some good chances particularly the, i mean the biggest chance obviously came down the left I would say we we were trying to build more down the right to get Rafinha on it, but he I don't think he ever really got into that many good opportunities. Uh I think Luke Thomas did did well against him. Um But yeah, I, I, I think perhaps it was uh like reasoning behind that. Maybe um Marsh kind of not wanting to tear up the good stuff um from from Beelzebul, not just sort of go Like we're going to just attack centrally now, like recognizing the profiles of the players that he's got and and wanting to maximize that. And maybe also not really having enough time to work on that many attacking patterns that that he would like. Um, So they they will rely on stuff that they're already comfortable with. Um, I felt that that the first half we did have some good stuff going on there when you think of like i mentioned the james chance i mentioned the harrison chance and then the one where it ends up getting cut back for for rodrigo and he smashes it over the furpo chance like that all comes from sort of that central attacking really um but i don't yeah i don't i don't fully know why he decided to change it other than maybe thinking they're breaking on us a bit too easily uh in the first half not that they created a good chance from it really but they did look threatening running in behind and they didn't second half which ironically is is when they did score (laughs)
1: yeah adam what's your take on
2: this
3: yeah no i I basically do agree with everything that obviously said and the other thing that i noted in the second half was we weren't maybe as penetrative other than Ailing and Strouk made a few really good passes. You've mentioned the a- Ailing one already. But with Forshaw there, and I feel like I'm committing a sin by saying this, but I don't think he had his best game. Um, I, I think someone, I can't remember who it was now, and I'm really sorry because I do follow you on Twitter, but I've forgotten who it was. But someone said next season, if this is to be continued, we might need someone who's quite penetrative in the deeper roles. And I don't think Forshaw was as good there as Click was uh, yesterday, which is something that surprised me a little bit.
1: I do find this quite interesting. So in terms of the xG according to uh, the Opta figures anyway, which is obviously a caveat, but um we created twice as much in the second half as we did in the first half. But I do think in the in the first half what the problem was not the attacking play but so much as the defensive play. I think in terms of um when Leicester were building up from deeper they were breaking our front press quite a lot and getting into dangerous areas, particularly in the left half spaces. And I think what Jesse Marsh decided, um, maybe maybe with the team agreeing with them, was that they had to try and keep possession of the ball more so that... Leicester weren't having those opportunities to build up from the back because it felt as though by building up centrally through the middle because it wasn't working particularly well and because we weren't necessarily counter-pressing as sharply as you would want to. It just meant that the ball was going through to Casper Schmeichel quite a lot uh, and then they were starting building up from the back working in in the wide areas and causing us problems so I wonder whether or not that was a decision that was made more of the defensive side of things than it was uh, of the attacking side of things Uh, but it's certainly something that we will have to keep an eye out for as as time goes by, and I think what we will see is that obviously the more time that Marsh has to work on them, the better that off ball stuff is going to become. Um, and, and so this is probably more just uh. Uh, a factor of of the time that's available but let's move on to question three because it does touch on the ta- uh on the pressing so it will allow you to sort of respond to to what i've said there so we talked a bit about how you pressing and some of the counter pressing has looked a little bit off and obviously it's hard to implement a new pressing system in such a short time frame so um adam what have you made of the pressing so far under marsh
3: I think is it might just be a case of we're only four or five days into implementation, so it's going to still have a bit of that bielsen about it almost. Um, I mean, Rodrigo's pressing is always going to be an issue for me, although I don't think he was particularly awful yesterday in that sense, especially in the first half. I think Bamford will help when he's back in that sense. Um, but yeah, there were a few times when we definitely did the thing of funneling the ball centrally to try and score quickly. I, I don't necessarily see it as like the 10 seconds that you mentioned in the uh, um, or even we press them into Schmeichel or one of the centre-backs having to play a long ball out and then we won the ball back um, so yeah I think this will be more of a key component going forwards but at the moment it's not going to be as perfect as it as it perhaps should be um, but it's four days you know it's one game and, and I was feel pretty positive about the game in general so I, I think everything will improve with time whether it'll be enough in what 11 games that we've got remaining remains to be seen but there were some good signs there even if it wasn't perfect.
2: Yeah Josh what about you? I think it was better than I thought it was going to be in the in the amount of time that they had. Um, I don't think it was perfect. Cause I think it like if we want to go back to the goal, um, they actually break our like they pass through us. Um, and I think it might be cock who sort of jumps to try and press the ball, and he just gets totally bypassed. Um, and then we have to then recover back, and it looks like we might have got back into our shape. Um, and then they still score. Um, but they progress all that way because they broke they broke the the line there um when we didn't quite manage to to close the ball down even though we clearly tried to like it wasn't just uh, we were passive and they passed through like we attempted to win the ball and didn't win it um but i would say um yeah it was interesting because it it wasn't necessarily the pressing shape that i thought it might be um it looked 4 4 at times in the way that we were trying to win it back. Um, I thought we would see that more narrow uh two two two, So it's something where we try and get it inside and then we sort of collapse onto the ball. I don't think we looked like we've learned how to do that yet. So we almost like didn't try to do that. Um, and uh, I mean, he, he did say in, in press conferences and stuff like, I'm going to, i'm gonna go for some simple stuff right now and then we'll start to build things on top of that and i'm guessing that they haven't built that on yet um and i would say that we did definitely have some uh effectiveness in pressing in that we won the ball back via like causing them to make errors but i don't feel like i saw a lot of what i expect to see when we learn this better which is us making a lot of tackles in, in pressing. Uh, that's what he actually wants. He wants is you to, to go through and win the ball and then drive towards the goal. There was maybe an, an example or two of, of that kind of thing, but that's meant to be like the the sign of, of his team pressing well. So I, I was happy with it, but you can see there's a, a long way to go with it, and I do think that it fell apart in the goal. I think one of the
1: things that we're going to start seeing a lot under Jesse Marsh is very specific pressing. One of the things that we have with Bielsa is largely like a general press that we know how it works, and you can decide how aggressive or not you're going to be, but that's really the only change that you're going to see. Maybe you'll see players being a little bit more zonal, as we've talked about before. But with this, I thought the high press was very specific. So the high press was designed so they were trying to funnel the ball to their right-hand side of the Leicester um, team. Um, so they were inviting pressure um, over there, trying to bait the the pass to uh, particularly Hamza Chowdhury um, and yeah, Daniel Lamartier as well, I guess. Uh, and then the, the, the aggressive pressing was coming on that side. On the other side, I think because they were aware of the fact that. Leicester were much more dangerous on the left-hand side with Harvey Barnes. They were trying to be a lot more solid over that side, I thought. Um, so yeah, it was it was interesting to watch and I think that that was a very specific decision to press in that manner because because of the way that Leicester had set up. So I'm interested to see the specificities of the press going forward if we switch that up and do it in different ways depending on which side we think is the more dangerous. Um, so there was a front, as Josh said, there was a front four that were pressing uh, and then we just had the two pivot players behind it and the two pivot players were pretty much man for man on their respective players but they were expected to get um, squeezed on the the side where the ball was as well so um, it did feel as though once you got past that line of four you then had two midfielders a lot of space on either side of them and the opportunity to just get isolated 1v1 against the fullback so it will be interesting to see whether we see anything different there but yeah plenty of interesting things to see and no doubt we will see that improving in the next few weeks so um, question 4 We've already touched on this a little bit, but interestingly, there is still a lot of carryover to be seen from the Bielsa era. So I've got two questions here. One, I'm, the first one I'm going to ask, uh, I'll ask you, Josh, but what stood out for you in this regard in terms of what we saw from the Bielsa era, what we, the sorts of things that
2: we saw that said, you know, that did remind me of the stuff Bielsa was doing? As we've mentioned already, some of that wide play that we were, particularly in the second half, trying to move it down the right-hand side, Um if if you watch other Marsh uh, football, if you watch Salzburg, you wouldn't have seen um, what we saw in in the second half with um, with lots of going down the right hand side. Um, you would tr- you would see those balls going inside as as much as possible. Um, so I think that that is the standout um, for me. Um, and then I think. I was trying to think, I mean, it would be interesting to see what you think of this, John, but I was trying to think, have I seen fullbacks inverting much in in Marsh, um, in Marsh ball, like previously, and like, because Junior for the, uh, the Rafinha chance and for his chance, he sort of, cut. he drifts in centrally and drives with the ball for a minute, passes it in the case of the, uh his chance in the first half he passes it on and then carries on his run into the box so that he's there to to get a shot um and in the other one he sort of makes a run inside harrison directly into the box um that's definitely something that he, that he was doing with bielsa although i would say i wanted to see him do it way more than than he ever has done um but i i think that probably isn't something we've we see so much from from marsh uh in his previous teams and be interesting to see whether that kind of thing is something that we continue or if that's just something he's just gonna allow to keep happening for the early games
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with you that you don't see that happening in Marsh ball, partly because Marsh usually plays with a double pivot in some way, so you don't need an inverting player to sort of help out in the middle, because you've already got one there. And also, the the fullbacks just are used as the wide players, Um, and I think obviously Marsh systems don't usually, they, they they aren't really squads that are built around a lot of wide players, so usually you would just use your fullbacks for that width and you wouldn't really see the uh, the, the the more attacking players drifting out into wide areas that much apart from in the final third. So there's not really many opportunities that you would have, I don't think for, for your fullback to, to really um, invert. So that's definitely, definitely a change there. Um, Adam, I'll ask you, we had a question from Boss House, which I haven't fitted into the listener question. So I'm just going to chuck it in here. Um, you can obviously answer the, the BL series stuff if you want, but uh, Boss House asked how much of a watered down version of Marsh Ball did we see yesterday as the, the squad acclimatised his methods, the fitness levels of leads and the togetherness of this team uh, will have made it fairly easy to transition initially. But this was still a long way away from the video analysis. I think he means the, the video that I put out about Jesse Marsh. So yeah, w- how would you answer
3: that question? I think it might improve as the season goes on, but I don't necessarily think we're going to see the sort of end product of what Marsh's football looks like this season. And that's for a couple of different reasons. The main one being that Bielsa's methods are just ingrained into some of these players for nearly four years now. So things like attacking down channels, as Hobbsy's mentioned, or like shoehorning the ball around quickly to get down a channel, that's still going to happen because it's something we've done a lot with Bielsa. And then off-ball stuff as well. Players are used to man-marking, okay, we transitioned well yesterday into a more zonal, you know, like system, but this this is still gonna be in some players' heads. But also, um, we don't necessarily just have the players yet. They're gonna be able to play Marsh ball in its true form. So I think in the summer, if we do stay up or if he does stay on if we go down, we'll see a, a truer form just by way of signing players and having players that fit the system more. I've mentioned a couple this week, actually. Um, I think Minamino is very likely to be a player we sign next summer, if we stay up, in my opinion. Um, partly because he's got too many players ahead of him at Liverpool. But he's also someone that Marsh knows, and he definitely would fit into one of those two players behind the striker. Um, so, yeah, I think that that is the main part of it. Is that personnel-wise, we're not quite there. But also, yeah, just a lot of these players understand Bielsa's
2: methods. I think it it's the smart thing at the moment to take the things that are good and then take the things that you want to improve and, and change and try to try to make what you think is the best functional thing for these next 12 games. And like he said, he wants to do the, the simple things and then build on that. I think we might see some things change as the games go on. But I also do agree with Adam that we won't see the full thing until he's had a preseason and and, and some player recruitment um, but i felt that uh, a sort of hybrid system between marsh and and, and bielsa ball um, should have won us that game and i'm hopeful that it will win us enough games between now and the end of the season one final question for me Which players do you think
1: benefited most from the new system, Adam?
3: There's a few. I think Ailing for me, was man of the match yesterday. I got a little bit of flack for that as well. But, I mean, that main pass that you talked about that he played just almost gave him the man a match for me he was excellent for me uh cock and click were pretty decent as a pair um so i didn't mind that at all i was pleasantly surprised by click um to be honest and then i think he's already mentioned joe harrison was perhaps the most surprising of them all because he didn't seem like someone that really fit the system as well as as many of the other players in his sort of area but um if he could play in the role he did yesterday or even up front and do well there then great that's good as well and i'll give dan james a small shout out because i think in the first half he was pretty decent and he helped to pull some things around and and drift wide at times or you mentioned pressing on their right side james and harrison really just pushed up against them quite a lot so i was pretty happy with that um i also don't think rodrigo was particularly great and i did want to say that because uh, other people viewed that differently, but in moments where you need him to be good to play the right pass or to play the pass right, almost, the, he chose the right pass, but it wasn't necessarily weighted perfectly. He, he didn't do that for me. And I think there were two or three occasions where he should have done much better. But in general, I was pretty pleased with the overall team performance. And that's why I'm pretty positive about this result because if we can repeat this say another six or seven times it might well be enough and that might be enough to keep us up so i'm i'm pretty happy even though we've lost one nil you know if we'd played like this under bielsa or anything like this under bielsa after the results we've just had i think people would be pretty positive i think people don't like the fact that it's been marsh that's done it and and i think that's been evident in our discord and and people have been quite frustrated at how positive some of us were uh last, last night and yesterday afternoon but it is because that was much, much better than what we've seen recently. And and I think if we play like that against Villa, Norwich, Watford, Southampton, Brentford, these sorts of teams, we'll win games and we'll stay up.
1: Josh, do you want to talk about players that you don't think benefited from the system? Because I think you mentioned a couple who
2: you thought did. Rafinha didn't, didn't have a great time. Um, in the first half, he had a fair amount of ball touches, but just I, I expected him to be able, because I thought he's better on the ball, he should be able to be better in those tighter spaces, but I honestly felt like I said already. I think Harrison handled it better, and Rafinha was just going into bodies more more often. Um, I really want, like, I want this to work, like, with with Rafinha, and want, like, I feel we need Rafinha to thrive for us to do well. Um, but this is a system that might not suit him. Uh in the second half, maybe part of it was like, "Hey, we've got this like elite winger, like let's try and get it to him in the areas that he's good, but even then he he wasn't able to to really affect the game in a in a positive way um I just wanna i don't know if I wanna say anyone else who I think wasn't particularly good um in terms of the system. I think most people were all right um I would say that. I probably disagree a bit with Adam in terms of Rodrigo because I think he um I think he had a, generally had a good game. I do agree that his final action was off like hacking two shots over um and getting that pass wrong for for Harrison like we need him to come up in those moments when he's meant to be like our best technical player. Um however, I would say that as big of a Joffy fan as I am, when he came on for Rodrigo, we were worse. Even though he came on and instantly had a couple of shots, like we weren't as we weren't as creative. We weren't building as as well. We weren't getting into the same areas. Like I think they're supposed to be similar profiles, but they're they're very different in in the way that they are. Like Rodrigo's a um, someone that drops off and and looks to pass and create. Joffe's someone that wants to like drive at goal himself and get into the box for shots and I think that's different
1: and I do think it's maybe worth just touching quickly before we switch to listener questions on the conversation about how certain people feel as though people are being too positive about what happened on Saturday I have no interest really in in making this a sort of Bielsa versus Marsh thing, because I don't think that's really worthwhile anyway. But um, I do think that it is worth noting that there's a difference between, I think, a promising performance and, a, and good performances I thought it was a promising performance but I, I wasn't maybe quite so positive about the performance as maybe some people were as well because I thought there were issues I did think in particularly the first half that Leicester were able to break the forward press really easily and I suppose when we talk about the shift from one half to the other being a shift away from the sorts of things that Jesse Marsh wants to do long term towards the sorts of things that Bielsa was already doing at least in terms of the, the on-ball stuff then I think it's fair for people to To be a little bit frustrated but um, that's just that's just my uh, two cents on the matter
3: I think people were in the discord were more negative due to the result rather than performance and a few people ended up changing their mind a little bit on how they felt and and had viewed it a little bit better the day after almost with a with the night's sleep or whatever you want to call it but I, I agree partly with you John that maybe it wasn't a great performance but it, and it was more of a, a positive one but for me if we do that against worse teams we'll be absolutely fine
2: I personally think it was a good good performance I think I think uh, even though we might have shifted to some Bielsa-ness in, in the second half it still wasn't Bielsa-ball because the off-ball system is wildly different like yes that they, they went and and did eventually go and score and it was too easy for them to score when they did but it what the fact that it wasn't man marking overall to me meant that they found it harder generally to get into into dangerous positions um i didn't find myself worrying every time they had the ball in the middle of the pitch like um i felt that you obviously mentioned there was a bit of man to manness of the pivot um but also you didn't find click and and cock being pulled out of their positions like you always felt that they were there to cover stuff um and i overall i think there was a a lot there to make me think we can get the points if if we can carry on playing like this it's important to note that leicester were not good um they had a, a bad right hand side um that was a game for us to take points and we didn't. So that's frustrating. But I was trying to think about this this morning. Would I rather have been us and have played how we are, how we did, sorry, um, and taken nothing or have been Leicester and like just had one shot from open play in the box in the game and won it? Like, obviously, I want the three points at this period of time and the fact that all the teams below, like below us lost it kind of would have been like that was a big weekend for us but equally would i have felt like we would go on to get the other points that we need i don't know so I, like i'm finding that a hard question to answer but that, that i think that tells you that either i'm just like deluded <laughs> or it, or it tells you that, that there's something there that we can we can build on and, and get points in this in this next run.
0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com
1: slash people today. Let's move on to the listener questions. First question we had was from Martin Riley, and I think we've answered this question, but I'll read it out anyway. Uh, he said, I was worried about where Harrison would fit into the squad, but we saw Harrison and Furpo swapping at times, Furpo inverting and Harrison moving wide. Could this be something we see on both sides of the pitch to accommodate the wingers? Uh, we've, we we obviously think that this is going to be happening fairly regularly uh, on that side. I don't know whether or not we would see it on the right-hand side of the, of the league squad, but I think that we're going to see it at points at the end of this season. Maybe not next season, maybe next season it will be a lot more structured and fullbacks will be told to stay in their wide channels, wingers will be told not to get into um into go into wide channels unless they're in the final third, which I think is generally the, the system that Jesse Marsh has played. But maybe maybe we'll be surprised. But did either of you want to add anything to that?
3: You've literally word for word what I got what I had in my notes actually, John, which is funny. But I also had another thing to note in this section, which was that Rodrigo at times often dropped between the two attacking midfielders um to push them wider and they did look more like wingers and it did look more like a four two three one at times. Um I don't think this is necessarily something we'll see long term, but I think again that's something we might see more of this season and, and Martin's question just sparked that off in my head when he's when he's asked it. So that's maybe something as well.
1: Actually, when you watch Marsh Systems previously, the players who drop in deeper tend to be the wide wingers who drop in to pick up the ball. Uh, and we actually saw the two strikers dropping in quite a bit to pick up the ball as well, which I think, as you've said, forced the, was partially because you don't want your wide players to necessarily be dropping in if you're looking for more width. Um, so that will be something to keep an eye out as for as well we've got two games in very quick succession coming up. So I think we will start seeing a lot of these changes coming uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, question two from friend of the podcast, Adam, Michael Finney, really good question. He says, will isolating Leeds fullbacks in one V one defending situations, be the new center backs carrying
2: the ball out in terms of defensive system weaknesses. Josh, what do you reckon? Potentially. So obviously, I mean, Barnes is obviously excellent and he's killed us on multiple <laughs> occasions now. <laughs> So uh we need to remember that. But also I think when we watched Marsh games uh before, uh, and and watching like uh tactical videos about him and so on, like teams are um like they do look to switch the ball um after after beating the press uh and then being able to go one on one and drive down the line. Uh, I I think that is something and I don't know that any of our fullbacks that we have are, are good one v one defenders generally, so that that could be um, that could be painful. I hope that it won't be like it it won't be like that too much. But then when I think of the other teams that we've got to face, like Watford, their best players are their two wingers, like Palace, Elise Zaha, like some of these teams where we need to get results from their best players are those players. So um, that that will be interesting. Uh, let's hope that we can try to to find a way to to sort of negate the potential weakness there.
1: And then question three from Zach Palmer, uh, which is a good question as well. Would Mateusz Klink be better utilised in one of the wide 10 positions? Seems we didn't see his attacking edge today, albeit whilst he was solid in the pivot. Adam, what do you make of that?
3: I think... Click will probably play deeper, in my opinion. He's, uh, because of yesterday's performance, basically, he's more progressive than a lot of our other options there. So if we do need to get the ball forward and we're not just using it uh, through the centre-backs, then that's possibly where he will be best. But it is an interesting point because a lot of his attacking qualities we showed in the Championship in particular were uh, further forward. So maybe uh, he will be seen as an option there. But I think... Due to yesterday, I, I would see him deeper, probably.
1: Yeah, it's funny because I I did hint in the some of the prep stuff that I, should, I just felt like Click would be a player that Marsh would see as one of those pivot players. Um, so it was interesting to see him him being used there. Uh, Josh, what did you make of of that question?
2: Yeah, I agree. I think Adams pretty spot on with it. I do think that Click could do that role well, um, uh, but I also think maybe we don't have other players that that can fill in the deeper role at the moment like I think if you were just choosing from like two out of the three of of Koch um for sure Phillips then maybe you lose something um in I mean we'll we're going to find out but I think that is perhaps going to be his position
1: it's also worth saying that we may see this four triple two turning into a four four two diamond in certain games, maybe against teams that we might expect to do better against. Uh, in which case, click would fit quite nicely in one of the wide players in that diamond, um, and I think we might see that, and then just have the the pivot behind him. Uh, it's also worth saying I think that the pivot player. Like The idea in build-up is often not to play straight to the pivot player unless they're dropping in between the centre-backs and they've or the centre-back and the full-back and they've got space to do that. Often what you're looking to do is find those penetrative passes into the, the wide players who can then play it back into the feet of the pivot player who can then pick it up facing the opposition goal and, and driving into space. And I think that changes the the, the sort of profile of player that you want. in in those positions you do want someone who's a good ball carrier someone who is also good on the ball too so that's something to keep an eye out for as well a quick Statric bamford section we haven't done this for a while and once again we are dependent upon jamie kemp for the the numbers that he puts out so thank you for that jamie Jamie put a tweet out this morning, which said, "As well as having the best, uh, the better chances, it was a good start for Leeds in terms of our effectiveness recovering the ball in the opposition half. This season's uh, away games listed, and he, he then lists uh, the number of um, sequences of plays starting in the opposition half. We'll put the tweet, we'll retweet the tweet when we put out the episode, so you can see that um, he says a tough, tough result to take, but the version on the pitch did look a lot like what Marsh has described at least, uh, and the numbers of." Sequences of play starting in the opposition half was eighty-five, which is comfortably the the biggest uh, number of of sequences of play starting in the opposition half this season. Um, I did ask Jamie if he had the numbers for the first half and the second half, and interestingly, again, the the second half seems to have been more successful in that regard than the first half. So thirty-five in the first half, fifty in the second half. So um, I thought this was interesting. What did we make of this? Did either of you have anything that
2: you wanted to say about this? I agree that it was interesting. I don't know why it was better in the second half other than the fact that we were like i don't know like spread out on the pitch a bit differently rather than being we didn't look so much like the two and the two um and that just seemed to work better for us but i i I don't think i could nail on the tactical minutiae there to tell you why that happened
1: well let's move on then for the game preview we obviously have a game against Aston Villa on Thursday we don't unfortunately have a interview with an opposition fan um, so we are going to just talk through this quickly ourselves before the end of the episode but a big game against Villa Villa obviously had a really good result at the weekend uh, 4-0 over Southampton who play in a Red Bull style so make of that what you will Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, did I, I know, Adam, that you watched that, that game back. So what did you make of, of that game?
3: Yeah, it's interesting, particularly uh, telling how good Coutinho is, really. He was absolutely electric. He should have had at least two or three goals, really. Um, but the main thing was that they managed to squeeze Ings and Watkins into a team at the same time. And in the last game that we played them, they played in that sort of Christmas tree, the one we've talked about before, the formation where the three-man attack, but two of them are slightly deeper and narrower than the main striker, but actually Ings and Watkins kind of played in front of Coutinho, and then they would often drift out towards the left channel or the right channel, and let Coutinho do his thing through the middle so it's maybe going to be slightly different to what we saw when we played them earlier in the season I'm not sure if Gerard will do that or if he will want to do the same thing as he did last time but obviously we've got Marsh now so it's (laughs) it's not going to be the same game as it was with Bielsa. And, I, and I'm pretty interested to see which way they play, but they were really good. And I, I, I'll be honest, I just hope they've they've used up all their luck and all their goals have are gone and maybe they only managed one in this game and, and we can get something. I would be delighted with the point personally. Um, I think we can get it, but they do have a lot of good individuals. I think Bundy's is out. I think Luca Dean's out, which is pretty good for us, but it's going to be interesting for sure. And, and Ashley Young at left back is potentially a weak point. And I don't think Southampton exploited that anywhere near well enough. They were absolutely awful. They offered nothing, which is maybe a worry considering their, uh, you know, style and system is probably more suited to what we are now as well.
1: In terms of the system that Southampton played, presumably they were in a four-four-two, were they?
3: Uh, basically, yeah. Um, it's pretty much the, the same thing they usually do. So uh, it could be very similar to what we've got, um, but they are a little bit, wider but at the same time if we play like we did against Leicester we obviously play with quite a lot of width it's just it's the three central midfielders that are the, the key Douglas Louise McGinn and uh, Ramsey all had a good game in the last game so the midfield battle might be what wins and loses the game
1: yeah talking about the fullbacks at least Ashley Young may be being a weak point it's worth saying as we talked about in the the previous previous episode that Villa do like to push their fullbacks quite high and then have their the ball near um central midfielder dropping into the space between the centre-back and the full-back just to help out uh, when it when is needed so um, presumably that sort of thing will be happening as well Josh in terms of this game what are the sorts of things that you're thinking about?
2: Well I mean obviously Coutinho is, is the fear he had a weird game against us last time I think because he basically killed us in a 15 minute period and like for me Ruthlessly exploited the fact that Ailing would follow him wherever he went, and uh, obviously, like as I've I've said this lots of times, but the first Ramsey goal like haunts me in my in my sleep, because it was just like that perfect trigger of as soon as he pulled out A- like Coutinho pulled Ailing out of position, Ramsey was just bombing into that. um The good thing I feel about playing them this time is that's not going to happen. However. Will they overload the midfield? Um, as you've said already, they're going to have three players in the middle, uh, and Coutinho will will also drift into there, so they can have four players in the middle. Um, and and how are we going to deal with that? Um, that's that's the the solution uh, that Marsh has to come up with. Um, do we maybe go for our four four two diamond this time around? Has he got enough time to, to work on that? Um, I think I'd like to see that if possible. Um, however, that probably means Rafinha drops out of the team. Because I think if you play that, you'd probably play Koch, Click and sure, And then maybe Rodrigo in front. No, someone needs to play in the 10 and then it's like Rodrigo and James up front maybe. You could always
1: play Rafinha potentially as the 10.
2: You could and then you just maybe allow him to roam. You sound like a lot of leads Twitter right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it does. But maybe like yeah, you uh, defensively he plays there almost. But then when we get on the ball, you allow him to go where he where he wants to go. Um, and because I would, I think the fact that Ashley Young's potentially playing left back, I want him. I want Rafinha playing there against him.
3: Yeah, you want to isolate him.
2: Mm, As I definitely. think, if I didn't say this earlier, but I wish that we'd swapped Harrison and, and Rafinha um, against Leicester because I'd have liked to have seen Rafinha up against Chowdhury and I'd have liked Harrison to have helped out going the other way um, against Thomas and, and Barnes and Jewsbury Hall. Um, so in this case, I definitely want Rafinha to be able to get out to the right. Um, but yeah, I, I do think it's going to come down to how do we Stop them outnumbering us in the middle of the pitch. Maybe that's just going to be holding the block, but ultimately, if the, if they have numbers there, that that can do you still.
3: Yeah, in the Southampton game, Coutinho had a lot of freedom, so he was sometimes literally the furthest man forward, and other times he was dropping in to the midfield to to get the ball and get on the ball and do things. And one of their players remarked after the game that he's just like so far ahead of them in terms of his thinking and he is the danger man. So we do need to be really careful. Um I, I do agree with you. I think 442 Diamond might suit system wise their system better, but it doesn't mean it that it suits him more in a defensive sense. I think in an attacking sense I agree with you and I think we need to try and get Rafinha 1v1 if we can. Um, that is where we might get some joy. I wouldn't have said that if they have been playing Dean as much, but with Young, he's 36. He's not a defender, really, so it would be good. We could get some joy there, hopefully, um, and a better game from Rafinha.
1: We've talked a little bit about how the, the press against Leicester looked very much like a 4-2-4 at times, and obviously that gives you loads of licence to to get in between the full-back and the, and the wide forward, um, and we saw Leicester do that. Obviously, we're going to see Aston Villa get pushing their full-backs up into that space. Does does that worry you at all, Adam?
3: Cash does. He was pretty good against Southampton as well. Um, so, as Hobbsy's mentioned, we maybe need someone more like Harrison on that side to help out and, and track back, um, which he fortunately is if he plays there. Um, but it's certainly something that, that is a big function of Gerrard's system with them. and They had a bit of a, bad patch but recently they've done well again and and players like Cash have been really good in in that resurgence so yeah it is something to be wary of for sure
1: I guess in the last game that we played against them we saw um, John McGinn dropping in behind Cash quite a bit And um, yeah, I'm interested in in what you guys think will happen in those sorts of situations, because uh, again, the the press that we have, I think particularly, I'm going to do a video on this, I think, but particularly in the high press, it was quite a, it was very much a man oriented press at certain, in certain points. So when the ball went into a wide area, the the Leeds players would all have their uh, specific player that they would press. So the ball near, Forward would press on the uh, the ball near centre-back for the opposition, and Harrison would push on to the, the full-back. Um, the, the ball near pivot player would push on to the, um, the corresponding number eight for the, the team, and the ball far... Striker for Leeds would drop onto their their pivot player, which was Wilfred and I wonder if that sort of thing we think could cause problems with uh, with the pressing as well, just because it's a little bit of a unique thing. This this idea they have of just sort of uh, pushing their fullbacks really high and y- using your your eights in your four three three to to sort of drop in as makeshift fullbacks to to help out.
2: I hope that that will cause them some problems because I think that particularly Mings last time. Was awful under under any pressure, um, and I think their back line as a whole, apart from Cash, I don't think will be very good at playing through pressure. But I do worry about their midfield. If if they do get past us, I think their midfield is is good and will drive into any space. Particularly, I really really like Ramsey. I think if if they can get him just beyond our midfield, then he will drive into space, and then Coutinho can and cook in the in the 10 space for from there um i hope that a few more days of 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 training and, and working on that that pressing system will iron out some of the kinks uh where they were able to play through a little bit um yesterday so yeah i i think i think it will come down to how like how we sort of time it um i think that's what i said in our in our preview uh in terms of how quickly we think uh, stuff is going to click for Marsh. And I said a big part of it is when that first player goes, everyone's got to go at the the same time. And I'm not sure if that was quite happening really Um, yesterday. There were some moments where he was like, oh, like you see that snap, like the press snapped there. And there are other times where it's like a bit of a concertina. Um, It needs to be all going. Um, And if it's not, then they will get through it.
1: One final question before we move on. Rotation is something that Jesse Marsh has talked about a lot. Do you think that we're going to see much of a rotation in the starting lineups, Adam?
3: Maybe a little. I think there's a chance sure comes in for sure. No pun intended. Uh, and maybe... It's hard to say, really, because I actually think quite a lot of the players did all right. So I don't think he'll change too much yet, but I think it might be more for the Norwich game, especially with Bamford's return. So we might see a bit more for, for by the time we play against Norwich.
1: And I guess we should end with the time-honored tradition of asking where the game will be won or lost. So, Josh, where do you think the game will be won or lost against Villa?
2: Yeah, I, I think we've talked about it a bit already. But how we uh, counteract that them outnumbering us um, in midfield, um, and can we tame Coutinho? Um, there's part of me that's like, hey, he hasn't played a lot of football over the last couple of seasons, three seasons. So the fact that he, this is a midweek game like is that in a, is that in our favor in that but I think those are the are the main factors and can we uh can we get Tyrone Mings to shit his pants <laughs> Adam how
3: about you uh, I was going to say if we can exploit a fullback going up field and we can get someone in behind in transition or if we can get a fullback 1v1 with one of our, our tricky attackers I think that'll be the way we could win the game having said that It's my birthday game, so we're going to lose. That's always how it goes, (laughs) so I'm really sorry, gents.
2: Oh, no. Well, that
1: brings us to the end of this podcast, the first review podcast of the Jesse Marsh era. I think we've been pretty positive. So if you like what we do and you want to get more of it, we've got plenty of stuff over on our Patreon channel. We've got lots of Jesse Marsh preview stuff over there as well, so if you haven't caught that, we've got a video looking at the broad brushstrokes of his tactical approach. And we will be putting out more videos this week, so I will be putting out a video, maybe just comparing the first versus the second half. Josh, have you got any plans for a video this week?
2: Yeah, I think I'm going to do Click in the pivot, just analysing how how he played that role, particularly noting the fact that when he played deeper under Bielsa, it was quite disastrous Mm -hmm. at times, and this was was very much positive uh, for him
1: if you want to check that out that is over on patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash all stats aren't we and we will be back on friday with a preview of the norwich game and a review of the villa game so do keep an eye out for that when it comes out but that does bring us to the end of this podcast and all there is for me to do is to say thank you josh thanks mate thank you adam
3: thank you so much
1: and thank you dear listeners for listening